BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. You know, folks, I'll open up today with talking about Jesse Waters and the video that has gone viral with his mom. You know, he does a bit with his mom on his show, and he did that before he took over Tucker Carlson's spot on Fox. And, you know, the video is going around and people are saying, like, how cute it is. His mother is a Democrat and she's basically admonishing him and telling him not to spread lies and to, you know, stop talking about the laptop. It's old and stop talking about taking over people's bodies and like, why can't you have a conversation that is going to bring people together as opposed to continue tearing them apart? And people think it's cute. They're like, oh, look, you know, it's a, you know, this is a family and blah, blah, blah. And here are my thoughts. Nothing about that exchange to me is cute. And people will say, well, it's his mom. And, you know, what is she going to do? Disown him? I don't think that it is cute to continue to coddle and hold up as, you know, oh, but look, he's a good person because he has a mom that cares about him, that Jesse Waters isn't as dangerous as Tucker Carlson, isn't as dangerous as, you know, as Steve Bannon, isn't as dangerous as Donald Trump, isn't as dangerous as all of the people who basically use their platforms, their voices, their networks to be able to continue to incite violence and be a national security threat. I don't think it's fucking cute, right? I think that Jesse Waters is just as culpable as everyone else that is a part of that godforsaken fucking network. I don't think it's cute that he has a mom that, like, you know, wants to wave her finger at him as opposed to saying what you're doing is fucking dangerous. And no, I'm not going to like play your reindeer games. Sure, you can still come home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. But like, I think that what you're doing, no, I'm not proud of you, right? For 
using your platform, your voice and an education that I'm sure his parents paid for to spread lies and cause harm and essentially be a part of the destruction of our democracy. You know, there are hard lines that we actually should be drawing in this country, not the ones that the Republican Party is trying to draw between decency, right, and indecency, between cruelty and kindness, between empathy, right, and compassion. But there's a hard line to be drawn that the people, right, whether they are the ones that are spreading the lies, that are regurgitating them on their own, you know, social media platforms, the ones that are voting for cruelty, like these people need to be held to account, not patted on their fucking heads like they're all perpetual fucking adolescents. They're not. Jesse Waters is a grown ass fucking man who has a job that he wakes up to do every day to make sure that he continues to stoke the flames of fear and hatred in this country because that's his fucking moneymaker. So if people are spreading this video saying, oh, yeah, go Jesse Waters' mom, give me a fucking break. The conversation should be about, are we really still looking at people who helped aid and abed insurrectionists and saying like, oh, isn't this cute? Gosh, golly. Like, give me a fucking break. Jesse Waters, just like the entire Fox network, just like the entire Republican Party, is a threat to our national security and a threat to our democracy. Just like there always seems to be viral videos of white cops playing with black kids every single time that there is a shooting and a murder and a beating of this innocent black person. Oh, look, all cops aren't bad. Look at them shooting hoops instead of beating those kids to the ground. Isn't it great? This is how you continue to soften peddle fascism in America is by making it seem like Jesse Waters isn't a villain in the story of America's collapse. Don't fall for the rope-a-dope because that's exactly what the fuck it is. And I'm just sick to death of all of it. Folks, coming up next, on the show, I'm actually very excited for this conversation with Matthew Solomon, who is the director and producer of a new documentary called Reimagining Safety. And in the documentary, Matthew interviews a lot of incredible voices like Los Angeles District Attorney George Gaskin, USC law professor Dr. Jody Armour, Dr. L. Jones and Brooklyn College professor Alex Vitali. And in this documentary, they put together news footage from some of the biggest watershed moments that we have seen, including the murder of George Floyd in May 2020, that sparked, once again, conversations around police reform in this country. So in Reimagining Safety, Matthew Solomon and his team take on this really important issue. That conversation is coming up next. Folks, I am very happy to welcome to Woke AF um, the director and producer of the documentary Reimagining Safety, which explores policing alternatives and solutions in a post-George Floyd world. 
Um, Matthew, you know, it's 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 hard to imagine. Uh, I think that after the killing of George Floyd, which everyone saw because it was in the middle of a pandemic and we were all at home and watched this close to nine minute video. And we thought in that moment, maybe this is going to be it. Maybe this is the horrific incident that we are going to need in order to see real change in policing. Then we watched as, you know, a Republican and, a you know, Tim Scott in the Senate and Cory Booker got together to hammer out, right, what would be the George Floyd Act, only to have it fizzle eight months later only to have the world's attention fizzle probably a couple of months following that. What do you make of where we are following this horrific incident, this murder, now some years removed? Mm, that's a great question. And, and first of all, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, with you. Um, yeah, you know, I, so I, I, I just turned 50 and I'm born and raised in LA. And so, you know, I was going to college, uh, at USC when the Rodney King beating happened mm, and, mm -hmm. and the LA riots. And then, uh, there was the Rampart scandal a few years after that. So for me, it, you know, I saw that as, oh, that's gotta be the turning point, you know, and then fast forward to Trayvon Martin being murdered and George Zimmerman, uh, being acquitted. And then, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and, uh, you know, all the, the video footage of hashtag, you know, person after person, hashtag after hashtag. And then, yeah, when it came to George Floyd and we're all stuck in our houses and, you know, nine minutes of, you know, this uh, atrocity, you, you know, and then people flooding the streets in, you know, it wasn't like that. Uh, you know, back in the the 90s. So to see people flooding the streets, I, I live near West Hollywood. So, you know, like Melrose, West Hollywood area, all up around here. And to see that surge and uh, a lot of the the folks, black folks I'm in anti-racism anti -racism communities with were all like, let's see how long this lasts. You know, mm -hmm. like uh, Nikki Black, who's a sociologist, she's, she's in my film, you know, she was like, yeah, y'all are posting your black squares, but, you know, let's see where we're at a year later. Yep. And yep. so a year later, after the the backlash to the defund the police uh, slogan, the, the you know, creating this whole thing around CRT, which isn't what it is and like none of it's true. But, you know, the so, you know, where we're at is uh I, well, I see it a couple different ways. I see that on the one hand, there was this huge surge in support. A lot of it dropped off, but not all of it. Uh, I'm also looking at it as, you know, with my film, I'm, I'm basically touring, going to different cities, doing community impact screenings, where there's, you know, around 100 people present at every screening with uh, activists and electeds and people who are working towards change, like in the streets, like especially in Memphis, um, I connected with a lot of those folks with Decarcerate Memphis. So there's there's movement, there's uh, 
an awareness on a large scale that I think where people acknowledge that there needs to be change. And there's a lot of resistance for what that change could and should look like. Um, and there's also, you know, honestly, I, I thought and hoped we'd be further along and can't believe we're, we're still doing a lot of this. And, and when I, when I did this film, uh, which was actually part of a master's in public administration course that I was in, mm-hmm. um, you know, this was last summer that I was doing the interviews and editing. And it seemed like there had been a lull in people talking about uh, transforming public safety, you know, whether it's reform or defund or abolish or whatever. And so, you know, for me, when I was doing this, it's like, wow, I'm hoping that this reignites the conversation. And then unfortunately we hit January and LAPD murders three people within the first three weeks, three unarmed people within the first three weeks. And then Tyree Nichols, you know, in Memphis, and then here we are, you know, back in it. And so it's like this cycle that doesn't stop, unfortunately. Um, And there is a movement of people who are in the trenches doing the work who are connecting with other uh, coalition members. So I, uh, it's tough. I'm not sure you know, I'm I'm not convinced of the outcome, but I know that I'm in community with a lot of people who are working towards uh, like real safety, real equity, real justice, um, and and recognizing the impact, especially on Black and Brown communities, and the things that need to be done, uh, you know, to keep everybody safe. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. What frustrates me, I think, the most is sometimes I ask myself, and I'm sure you ask this of yourself and 
probably of your um, the participants in the documentary, which is what is the point of policing? Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. when you really think about it, and and I mean this genuinely, like not even tongue in cheek, when you really think about it, police do not stop crime, mm-hmm. right? They don't stop crime in action. Right. Um, they largely do not recover. Let's say if you've been robbed, they don't recover items, right? Um, they, you know, rarely how we've been fed through Hollywood, how cops run after people yeah. and, you know, bring down the bad guy is all smoke and mirrors to what it is that they actually do. You know, here, I, I live in New York. And when I moved back to New York from Washington, D.C., I lived in first, I lived in a largely black area. There are police everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, affluent brownstones surround all around, but it just so happened that the people that lived inside of those brownstones were black folks. So there were spotlights and cop cars all at the metro. Mm-hmm. I moved to a largely white and, you know, minimal amount of crime. It was just, we're going to surveil these people. I moved to a largely white area. I never see a police officer mm-hmm. unless they are literally stopping to get a bagel <laughs> at the local store. Yeah. And so when I see the discrepancies just in the small time frame in the 20 minutes where of, of difference of location of where I live in New York, I think to myself, if you never made that switch of neighborhood, you would assume that policing is all one way. Hyper vigilant if you are a black person living in a particular area or non-existent if you're a white person living in a particular area. And so knowing that to be true, how do we even, Matthew, begin to reimagine what actual policing would look like? Because we're fed so many distorted views of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, one of the things uh, you know that I'm hoping with this film is that it it helps to illustrate uh, the discrepancy, you know, between what you know we're taught police are here for and what we're taught they do and what we're socialized to believe. And through TV and and film, you know, a hundred years of film, you know, and, and what they actually do, uh, you know, the reality of them you know, protecting and serving, but protecting and serving property and, yep. you know, the wealthy, um, recognizing that uh, the safest neighborhoods have the fewest police, y- you know? And and so, you know, even in the film, George Gascon, who's the uh, district attorney of LA County, says uh, incarceration is not a deterrent, you, you know, but yet we're, we lock up you know, more people than, than any other country. And so, you know, I think the more, and there's also like the, the news media is invested in this. You know, one of the things, Cerise Castle, who's a journalist here in LA, who's done a lot of work around uh, like the, the, the gangs in the sheriff's department here, you know, was talking about how, you know, she grew up in, I believe it was Echo Park, you know, and, and she's black and she went to school and they did this whole thing on police are our friends. And, you know, if you, if you need help, go to a cop. And meanwhile, her friends were all getting, you know, beaten up and harassed and arrested. 
you, you know, and so like I, I'm a product as a cis hetero white male of growing mm-hmm, up with mm-hmm. police are our friends. But luckily, mm-hmm. yep, uh, yep. I went to very integrated and diverse schools where my friends were mostly not white, you know, and so I was hearing about their experiences and I was observing how they would be followed around stores or looked at differently on the street. Or, you know, I was always, when we started driving, I was always the driver because I was less likely to get pulled over. Um, so I think, you know, the more that we're having these conversations and, and, you know, one of the things that I think was um, unfortunate about the backlash to the defund the police slogan and even the conversation around CRT is that our, you know, quote, leaders uh, weren't really educated on what that stuff means. And to be able to dig in and say, no, we do mean defund the police because we're talking about investing in communities. No, what you're saying about CRT is bullshit. That's not what it is at all. Yep. This is what it is. It's about looking at the systems, you know, and how, how they are, you know, racial, they are, you know, influenced based on race and no, they're not being taught to your kindergartners, you know, but, but really like holding that line instead of getting, you know, going on the defense and backpedaling and, and all of that, which is what on the left, you know, I tend to see a lot of. But I, I think I think it's really having people who are educated in black liberation, frankly, you, you know, that can that that can speak to uh, this is what what is meant and this is what we're working towards. And this is why, because it's the right thing to do, because we care about people. Um, I think that's missing. uh from the conversation in a large way, especially out in the the media world. It's definitely missing from mainstream media 100%, but I feel like mainstream media doesn't want to have conversations about Black liberation, right? And we know that Republican politicians don't want to have conversations about Black liberation. It's why they're on a crusade to ban every single book that is not written by a white, cis, you know, quote-unquote Christian hetero man. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's why we are we are seeing this kind of backlash. And I wonder, you know, as you were doing this film, like it was it was, you know, you were you're, you said you were doing interviews uh, last summer. And that comes, you know, a couple of what I guess maybe a year or so after the insurrection, another major right. major policing incident yeah. that we see in this country where we had watched. Right. The uprising summer mm-hmm. of all of our taxpayer dollars go to G.I. Joe uniforms and yeah. high artillery for local police departments that we didn't even know that they had. And then we watch thousands of white people go to invade our Capitol building. Yeah. How did you reconcile with seeing that as you're creating <laughs> as you're creating this film? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, my dad and I watched it live on TV, the insurrection, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it was predictable that certain politicians were going to compare it to. I mean, it was almost immediate, but it was predictable that they were going to say, "Well, it's the same as you know, burning down the streets, you know, Black Lives Matter protests," you know, and and at that point, you know, like I said, I was in a, a master's in public administration program, so I was in this program applying the coursework around sustainability and policymaking and, you know, transformative leadership uh, and all of that to 
uh, my research regarding police and incarceration. I didn't start as an abolitionist, but I knew something was not, I knew it was not working. I just didn't know it was on the other side. And so through that coursework, I also recognized the history of, you know, one step forward, four steps back or four steps pushback, really, you know, like slavery ended. Okay. Here's Jim Crow and segregation. Yep. You know, um, uh, civil rights movement. Okay. Now we're going to, you know, the drug war, war on gangs, we're going to, you know, mass incarceration, lock everybody up, you know, and there's a lot of stuff in between, but, 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 but just seeing that and, you know, defund the police, you know, black lives matter with, um, huge, like global support for this movement. And then, okay, here's the anti CRT bills. And now we're, you know, reformative action, like all of it is all like backlash for that. So, you know, reconciling it, like for me, there was nothing to reconcile. It was like, I knew that, you know, one and three didn't equal two. And, and, <laughs> you know, the math was not math. Yeah, the, <laughs> the math was not math then. And yeah. It made no sense. No. And, and so, and, and then the fact that, again, you know, mainstream media was allowing the both sides argument and not really mm-hmm. checking people. Um, and I, you know, I agree, like, um, you know, Alex Vitale is in the film and he's, uh, he spent 30, 40 years working with law enforcement. He wrote a book called The End of Policing, which basically the thesis of the book is that the culture of policing is, is what's messed up and you can't reform it. Like there's no reform because of, you know, how it was constructed, why it was constructed, why it exists and, and the, all the, and the culture of it. And he was even saying, you know, there, there was a certain point where mainstream media stopped calling him for interviews because Mm. they don't want to know, or they don't want it to get out. Or there's, you know, if you follow the money, you know, the, the people that are investing in, in the, like the corporate investors into media, like they they don't want that. (laughs) Like they're, they're fine being protected, making their, you know, millions and billions of dollars. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, there's a, I, I think though, with a lot of the Gen Z folks that I'm meeting that are mm-hmm. activists that are getting into politics, um, there's definitely, uh, a fire, uh, and, um, like the, the knowledge and the education, the lived experience also, you know, growing up in a, you know, much more diverse country, you know, than even, than I did even. Um, so I, you know, I think that there's a lot potentially with them that will, you know, change things. It's just a matter of how far are we going to let, you know, the, the cart with the wheels, you know, off it, like, like even today, like there was another, uh, we're taping this when, when Trump got the, the letter, you know, of, of the, the January 6th, uh, yep. indictment that's coming like why why is like why is he not in in jail why is he still out you know getting to say whatever he wants i that be, i literally just tweeted it and i said you know if you want a a a picture of how broken our justice system is understand that donald trump is a wealthy white man in america with 30 plus indictments against him and is golfing 
yeah. and is and is and is walking around free. There is not a person of color. There is not a low income person. There is not a queer person or a trans person. There is mm-hmm. not a Muslim person. And the list goes on and on who would have that same list of indictments against them and not be in a jail right now. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. You know, what is your hope? Because here, here's the thing that, that I struggle with as a person in media, which is that I do this show and other shows because I believe in the power of media to be able to shift hearts and minds. I believe in the power of media to be able to shake people out of unconsciousness into consciousness. At the same time, though, I get exasperated by mainstream media. Yeah. And the fact that I know that a majority of people in this country do not know how policing started. Mm -hmm. I know that a majority of people in this country do not know that policing came out of slave patrols, right? And that if we actually knew that history, then maybe we could imagine policing that looks different, that doesn't see black bodies as targets, right? Mm -hmm. As criminals by virtue of just existing. Um, And so I, I like, what are your hopes for the ways that you can utilize this documentary, this mm-hmm. piece of media as a tool in creating more clarity where mm-hmm. purposeful ignorance has been. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things in seeing the response to the film uh, thus far, and we, you know, we premiered in February 3rd of this year at the San Pedro Film Festival. And since that time, we've done a bunch of Uh, festivals, but also community impact screenings. And uh, right around around 1,000 people have seen the film since February. 
And that's in cities across the U.S. That's with, you know, 40 plus uh, social justice organizations and community organizations hosting screenings, you know, rooms full of, you know, anywhere between 60 and 180 people like Memphis, we had 180 people. And, and so the feedback to the film's been great, but what's, what really stood out to me is the handful of folks who've said afterwards, you know, I was afraid of defund the police, or I didn't know, I knew there were problems. I didn't know how to explain you know, what the problems and solutions are. I saw your film. I understand. I went and I talked to my mom. I went and I talked to my book club. Yeah. I went and I, you know, I'm, I, now I want to join, you know, an organization and be active. And so the, the educational component of the film, which, uh, people have shared is really accessible. It's really, you know, digestible and easy to understand and really clear, you know, what the harms are, why the harms persist, why we think this is the only solution. And then here are the alternatives, uh, really connects with people. And so, you know, regarding the film, it's, you know, for me, it's like the more people that can see it, the better, not because I'm the filmmaker, but because the message and the people in the film and, and, what's at stake, you know, literally lives at stake. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my, you know, my perspective. And, and as far as hope, you know, I had a, one of my friends is on the West Hollywood city council and we were talking about this when I was editing the film and she's like, do you still have hope, you know, for society and, you know, like post COVID and post, you know, the election in January 6th and George Floyd and all of that, like I had to think about that. And the reality is, if I didn't have hope, I would probably be doing this anyway because, you know, it needs to be done. But um, I, I believe that at our core people, we really want to love and feel loved and be, you know, feel a part of a community. And, you know, this comes from, I, I worked in conflict resolution, I still do, and, you know, relationships and communication and that sort of thing. And I think at our core, uh, when we can get our fears and, um, you know, our survival stuff, you know, out of the way and really connect with one another, and I've seen this, you know, then, then we can actually work together and things get better. You know, it just it's just a matter of like, there's a, there's a lot in the way with, um, you know, certain parts of our society right now. Uh, so yeah, I, I have, I have hope. I, I, I believe that if, you know, the, the easier it is for people to connect with another person's lived experience, the, the better shot that we have of, of changing things for the better. Well, Matthew, I, I can't thank you enough, one, for making the time to join the show, but two, for creating this documentary, um, for for lifting up the voices uh, that are in this documentary, reimagining safety, um, and, you know, just bringing attention to the fact that if we don't begin to reimagine, if we don't fight to reimagine, then we just succumb to the status quo. Yeah. And so I, I really, you know, I'm grateful for for people like you that have a vision and a purpose 
um, and share it with the rest of us. Yeah, thank you. And the status quo just it, like it, it doesn't stay static either. Like status quo takes us back and and will just get worse. And that that's another thing. It's like you know if you're not if you're not growing, you're dying is is an expression yep. I've heard. And so, yeah, um, I just wanted to add that. But thank you so much for having me on. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.